Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gem podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand. I'm the managing director of Bright Vision as well as host of this podcast. Today we're going to talk with an interesting guest uh, whose name is Mike Crass, who's also the founder and CEO of MKG Marketing, an agency uh, based out of the United States, and he's living in New Orleans. And um, also an expert in SEO and marketing, return investment analysis, and many more things. And we are going to have an awesome discussion of marketing ROI today. Welcome to today's podcast, Mike. I appreciate you for having me, Jacob. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to discuss uh, marketing ROI and uh, marketing strategy and so forth with you. But um, before we dive into that topics, maybe I know you have a lot of experience, both from marketing, but also, uh, you know, having interesting hobbies. So maybe you can give the short background to who you are for us, Mike. Absolutely. So let's start with hobbies first, because that's the most fun, obviously. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> in terms of hobbies, I am actually a pilot in my spare time. I fly a single engine Cessna 182. Um, so that's, a, it, like I said, a single engine aircraft. It'll take you about 130, 140 knots, uh, which in, uh, for our North American listeners is something around 160 miles an hour in the air. In kilometers, Jacob, you might have to help me translate that. I think it's close to 190 or 200. Um, maybe I'm, I'm shortchanging the K's there, but, uh, that's, that's a, Sounds a hobby. True. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's a hobby I'm, I'm pretty passionate about. And the reason why I really enjoy airplanes is because they, they connect people. You know, I, I grew up here, uh, in the United States. I had family that lived all over the country. It's a very big country. And so I really fell in love with airplanes because I just thought it was, so fascinating that a huge hunk of metal and today it's really fiberglass it's not metal um, but a huge hunk of metal could take people uh, to faraway places in a very short time and connect human beings with one another which as we're recording this podcast here in december of 2020 you know we're still going through coronavirus you know global health pandemic and that human connection uh, is something that i think a lot of people are missing and i'd include myself uh, in that that group of folks who just miss human connection. So that's one of my big hobbies that I'm passionate about. And in terms of my professional background, uh, you know, I, I started working at advertising and marketing agencies on the West Coast of the United States in the beginning of my career. So I was down in California, then back up in Seattle, met my business partner, and we knocked our heads together on the concept of measurable media or what we're talking about today, which is return on investment driven marketing. Uh, we were working at an agency that was frankly a fantastic agency. They're still around today. They're still doing great work for their clients. 
The only thing is they are not really an ROI driven agency. They do a lot of brand work and the work is really good. Uh, but my business partner and I were really interested in more direct or performance marketing. And that's how we started the agency nine years ago. And that's what we've made kind of our staple of what's important to us here today. Hmm. That's awesome. What, what a great ride. And I wish uh, I was a pilot as well. It's so fascinating with those fly uh, aircrafts and, you know, being able to fly. So, yeah. Cool, cool uh, hobby, <laughs> but also an interesting career, as you said, and building this agency and, and so forth. Um, so how come you have been so interested in, uh, in measuring the return on investment of, of, on marketing? And, and, you know, you have talking about that topic uh, in other conferences and you have written content about it and so forth. And becoming a little bit of an expert, I would say. So, so what's, what's so important from your point of view with, with uh, ROI-driven marketing? Yeah, I think I can answer that question with a very short story. And in my previous life, before founding MKG Marketing, we had this big global uh, electronics client and we helped them out with this big global campaign around the holidays. So it was about this time of year, actually, now that I think about it. And we missed a huge step when it came to analytics and measurement. And that step was we didn't have all of the country or region specific stakeholders aligned on what success looked like. So they made this huge investment with us as an agency, big paid media push. There was this web work. They were building digital experiences or we were building digital experiences for them. Again, this was at a previous agency, not MKG. And we got to the end of that campaign and everyone in North America felt really good. You know, the Canada country stakeholders felt good. United States, Mexico felt good. And they said, Hey, let's get up. Let's get on the horn with our global leaders and just do a campaign recap, right? We all spent a bunch of money. Let's let them know how it went. And true to form, we were not aligned and at the time with all the different uh, market leaders. So we get on this call and the North American uh, marketing managers kind of bragging on what we've done, showcasing all of our hard work, showcasing what they looked at as success. And, uh, you know, you heard through my last name, my last name was originally Kraus. I'm of German and Italian heritage. Um, so the German marketing manager comes on and typical to my ancestors uh, back in Germany, very direct, mm -hmm. very to the point, not one to waste words. And he asked, yeah, but what did Germany get out of this? I'm hearing that the United States got a lot and the Canadians are happy, but I think that this was a huge waste of money. And he said that and the whole line went quiet. It was like, you know, you could hear the record scratch because <laughs> there's, there's probably 30 people from all over the world on this phone call. And he asked the question that besides the United States and Canada, everyone was thinking, you know, the French marketing manager spoke up. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I have to agree with my German colleague. Like, I don't think that France really got anything out of this investment. So what the heck did we just spend money on? And that misalignment really led uh, Carrie, my business partner, led Carrie and I to look at each other and say, you know, I, I think that performance or direct response marketing, where you are really focused on that return on investment, 
is what we want to do because we thought that we had that lined up with this, this client and then we didn't. So it was kind of this, this, uh, I wouldn't call it a crash and burn experience, but it was, it was definitely kind of a hard conversation to get through. And we realized that we needed to focus more on the front end on being clear on what our intentions are for the outcome of this investment, whatever, whatever channels, marketing strategies, et cetera, we need to be very intentional on what that outcome should look like. And so that's, that's kind of the spark that turned into a big roaring fire that turned into MKG marketing. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's a great story. And uh, <laughs> even though an awkward experience in the phone call, but uh, if that turned your, your idea on, you know, you created the whole concept of KMG marketing. I think that was a great outcome of that dialogue, even though it's maybe that campaign wasn't the best moment. <laughs> so fantastic. Yeah. And I totally agree. It's so important to, to uh, strive for getting an, a great marketing ROI, of course, all the time. But it is hard, though, because so many things is, is uh, hard to measure uh, and, you know, uh, and so forth. So I know a lot of companies struggle with it. And uh, I think a few of them probably have to take, uh, I think it was some, some uh, advertising guru in the early 70th uh, century who said, I know half of my ad budget is wasted. I just don't know which half of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think that goes for a lot of companies still that they try, they do things, they don't know what works or not, but you know, <laughs> so, so can you talk a little bit about that? What should companies do from your perspective, who's worked a lot with this and, and, you know, really honed your skills, trying to measure marketing return investment in order to become better and smarter and optimizing the investments? Absolutely. You know, at, at MKG Marketing, we look at it as a, a bit of an evolution of measuring ROI. It, it's not something that is generally just turned on for our clients uh, who are primarily B2B tech companies from day one. And, and when I give this methodology, I'm going to exclude e-commerce from the conversation because e-com is, is very straightforward, right? Like you set up a Shopify store, you sell SKUs, you can plug it into Google Analytics or other systems, but it, it's very on the nose and easy to understand. Um, our methodology, again, like I mentioned, we, we provide digital marketing services primarily for B2B tech companies. We look at it as an evolution and there's kind of three steps. You know, the first step that we, that we talk about or that I talk about specifically is traffic and forms. So are you getting traffic to your website? Are people filling out forms? Um, for some B2B companies, right? If it's a SaaS business, it may be more self-service. Um, you know, we work with Amazon Web Services. That's obviously more of a, a self-sign-on. You might need technical support, but the purchase actually can happen without a human interaction. Um, but in generally, you're start, in general, you're starting with traffic and forms. So how am I getting people to our digital properties, whether it's an application, on web, on mobile, uh, whether it's just a website, you know, whatever that, whatever that form takes. Uh, and then it becomes a form. So you need a demo, you want a, a sales uh, demonstration, you want 
to uh, get a piece of content. Maybe you want a Gartner Magic Quadrant report that our company, our client was featured in, something like that. So that's kind of like the, when you're talking about crawling, walking, and then running, that's the crawling phase, right? We're going to get traffic to you, your properties, and they're going to connect with you in some way, shape, or form. Mm. The second step, you know, now we're walking, so we're upright. And the second step is, great, we've got traffic and forms coming through. Um, or maybe you've ungated a lot of content, so you're, you're capturing their info in other ways. Um, the step, second step becomes what I call you know, pipeline opportunities and bookings. So do we have the systems, you know, do we have CRM and marketing automation configured so that when somebody fills out a form or goes on to drift chat and request to talk to a salesperson to explain a product feature, do we have the systems in place to say, okay, let's add them as a lead, right? Let's, okay, now this is moving forward. Let's op open an opportunity in our CRM, whether that's Salesforce, HubSpot, uh, or something else altogether. You know, let's apply a pipeline value to that and a, a probability or a win rate. Um, and then let's look all the way down to bookings. So that, that's kind of the, the second step is what, what are they doing once they've gotten to us, right? We've already gotten them in step one. Now, what are they doing? Are we actually selling or providing products and services that they want to engage with? And the third step um, that I tend to look at is influence. So what is influencing traffic and forms, pipeline opportunities and bookings? And when I say influencing, that includes obviously direct response, right? You show a search ad to somebody on Microsoft or Bing and uh, then they click on it and then they sign up and then they buy from you, right? That's more of a direct response influence. Um, but I look at influence also from an awareness standpoint. And we, we, we step our clients through this conversation a lot where they, they will eventually, if we are successful together, they will max out their total addressable market. No one else is searching for it. There's nobody that, that shouldn't know that it exists that doesn't know yet. And they look at this as, okay, we, we basically can't spend any more money on marketing. And we generally say, that's one approach. You could also look at awareness and generate some interest from folks that don't know you exist, either as a company or as a solution. And so when you look at the, st the third step of influence, the easy one is direct response. The more complicated one is, okay, what is the appropriate amount of capital to invest in awareness to reach people that don't know about us or that don't know about our solution so that you can then parlay that into more direct response. And that's, that's a, a conversation around expanding your total addressable market. And for clients that are pretty savvy, which we've got quite a few of them in our portfolio, they will eventually grow to that phase. Doesn't happen overnight, but eventually they say, you know, hey, Mike, I, I logged into Google Ads and all of our all of our search campaigns are maxed out. Like, are you are we just done? Right. They start to ask questions like that. Are we done? Is there anything new that we can add to our marketing mix from a digital standpoint? Um, and that's when that's that's a total red flag of a question where they're saying, I think that we're reaching everyone that knows about us, 
Mm. How the heck do we reach the other folks who don't know about us? And so I, I tend to put it into those three buckets. Um, not so much formally, but just in having informal conversations with clients, it starts with traffic and forms, and then it evolves into pipeline bookings and opportunities. And then the third step is what influences all that and what could we do above and beyond what already exists, like an awareness campaign. Do you work as a sales, marketing, or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. That's awesome. That's a very clear methodology there. And um, do you see companies uh, have done this journey and have succeeded to, to, you know, optimize both their marketing spend, but also understand which parts was worth the investment and added on to that or, uh, you know, increase the budget, but also optimize that and cut things that was more, uh, non-efficient or, or things like that. Have you, have you any good cases where you have seen this journey come through and come to the realization? Yeah, we've got a few clients that um, have actually gone through this journey over the years. And, and it, it does take years. It's not something that just happens overnight. Uh, a couple of them, uh, you know, one is called Extra Hop Networks. They're based in Seattle. They're a security company in the cybersecurity space. And, you know, when we started working with them in 2015 and 2016, they were really in step one of traffic and forms. And then a couple of years after working with them, they, as they continued to grow as a company, their marketing department grew, they moved into pipeline and bookings and ops. And now today, you know, really the, in the past 12 months and moving into the new calendar year in 2021, they are very much in the influence stage, that third step, because a lot of our awareness campaigns are increasing. We're looking at new channels like connected TV, for example, if you were to advertise on, you know, Roku TV or, or Hulu or something like that. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can't click on that or tap on that ad and then go ask for a sales demo but it will lead people to say, huh, what the heck is extra hop networks? And then they go and they actually perform a search on Google or Bing or Yahoo, or they go to Facebook or LinkedIn. They look, they look up this extra hop networks company and, and that, that begins down their, their journey, that, that uh, customer journey path. And where we're at with them is we now have a pretty good idea, not a perfect idea because it, it's not a perfect science yet. We need to do some more, uh, data modeling. We have a good idea, you know, for every dollar that we invest in those kind of awareness plays, it will generate uh, X or Y amount of demand performance. So that's something that we're kind of firming up with them because once you have those numbers, it becomes easy math, right? It becomes, Hey, you know, the CMO goes to the board and says, hey, we're, we're maxed out on all of our DR. We can't do any more direct response or performance marketing. 
but there's a lot of awareness opportunity out there. And we've learned, and I'm making these numbers up, but for example, for every dollar we spend on awareness, we see $2 moving into sales pipeline from direct response. So there's that correlation. So board of directors, if you really want to put the pedal to the metal, if you really want to go, I, I've got the way, you know, I, I know exactly where to put the money and I, I have a good idea of the outcome that we're going to see. So extra hop has definitely uh, experienced that. Um, we're also, we're moving into that phase with another client, um, which is actually a, a business that was started in Europe, uh, in Finland, I believe, and is now uh, based in Menlo Park in California uh, awesome. called Maria DB. You know, so they're a, they're a database company and they're, they're going through that same exercise. We're not quite as far along with them, um, but we are moving in that direction of understanding that correlation between awareness and that uh, demand or direct response um, performance. So just a couple to mention, there's, there's others in our portfolio, uh, but I know that this is not an advertisement for our client portfolio. It's a podcast that people want to learn things on. So I'll, I'll keep it limited to two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's great. But, but it's really fun that you mentioned MariaDB, uh, which is a spinoff for, from MySQL, which was a high profile Nordic startup a few years back, bought by some microsystems in 2009 or something like that. So awesome to hear you're working with them. I think actually, since we had MySQL uh, via Sun Microsystem over 10 years ago as a client, uh, I might uh, uh, know a little bit of what they're doing since it's, yeah, I heard it's a great database. So awesome to hear you working with them. So fantastic and that they are on this journey. So uh, uh, really interesting story you had there for, for uh, for those two companies. And what do you think is, is the greatest misconceptions when it comes to getting ROI in B2B marketing? Where, when companies come to you and, um, and, uh, and you know, ask for help around these things and, and need somebody to get things sorted out and measured and you know, put the systems in place and the methodology in place and so on. What, what kind of misconceptions and mistakes do you see companies regularly do in the B2B space? Sure. I think the first misconception that most companies don't even recognize as they're beginning this journey, so they're in step one, traffic and forms. The first misconception that they don't know about is they don't realize the need for an internal champion to champion buy-in for this process. It's not going to happen overnight. And if you don't have a really strong stakeholder who is invested in making this happen, it won't. I mean, you'll, you'll kind of flounder along for a while and you'll kind of make some progress, but unless you really want this to happen and you've got that champion who's beating the drum you know, within the company walls every single day, every single week, every month, it just isn't going to happen because you need that internal stakeholder to help navigate internal politics, org charts, systems, processes, things that an external vendor could absolutely do, but it's really not, you know, set up to do. Um, and so I, I think the first thing that I always look for when I'm talking to our account team as we're going through this journey with clients is who's our champion? Who's really invested in this? And I, I usually used um, an analogy 
I can't remember where I first heard this and it actually has almost nothing to do with marketing and more just to do with life in general. And the analogy I use is you cannot make somebody change who does not want to change, right? That's true. In my opinion, that's true for uh, family relationships, addiction, marketing. If somebody does not want to change, if their ears are closed and their mind is closed, you can talk all day long. They're not changing. They're not ready for that yet. And so I, that internal champion is the person who is walking those halls every day and, and making sure that everyone knows why we're doing this and why it's valuable. And we're not just some vendor that's billing you by the hour. So the more, the more hallway walks we do, the more money we make, like there's an economic carrot there. And so I, I usually ask who's our champion, who actually wants this change to happen? Because if we don't have that, it's going to be a frustrating process. Um, the second thing, and we talked about it a little earlier, so I, I won't go into too much detail. The second thing that I hear when it comes to ROI and B2B marketing is that brand has no impact, right? This is a podcast. Sure, there'll be show notes and links that people can click off to, but it's not like the purpose of this episode is for people to listen and then immediately go buy services from Bright Vision or MariaDB or MKG Marketing. Uh, I think that that brand is vastly um, undervalued. Once you get into that third step that I mentioned, you know, the influence on bookings and pipeline and opportunities. So branding could take the form of podcasts. It could take the form of sponsoring events or even small groups. You know, you think about a company like VMware that has a VMware user group, you know, VMUG is a global group. And when you talk to VMUG members, these are, you know, virtualization engineers and developers who are intensely passionate, intensely passionate about VMware and the products and the services and what they can do. And so when you think about brand, you may be engaging a group like that, that if you just put a message out there without any, without any um, strings tied to it, you just said, hey, it'd be great if you, we've got a new product, you know, let's test drive this. We actually did this with VMware back in 2015. We put out a brand new product in alpha only to VMUG and we emailed them. And it was like, I think our email open rates were something like 70 or 80% of that of all those opens, you know, tens of thousands of VMUG members across the world of those opens, I think we got, it was something like 50% of people actually clicked on the link to sign up for the alpha. And while those are obviously not general release or general access numbers, it just shows that that wasn't really a DR play. It was more of an awareness play where we said, hey, we know we have a very captive audience. They love playing and tinkering with new VMware toys let's give this to them before anybody else and give them 90 days to do whatever the hell they want with it and see what happens. And so I think that's the, com- the second most common misconception is that you just have to spend on direct response and performance marketing. And in today's day and age, as you work through that evolution, those three steps uh, for return on investment uh, style marketing, brand will have to have an impact and will have to play a part at some point. And so you might not be there today, but if your company grows and all is up and to the right, you've got this beautiful hockey stick graph and all of your charts and all your PowerPoint slides, eventually brand will become very important for you. Mm. Yeah. I, 
uh, that rings so true uh, to me as well. And uh, yeah, it's it's something you always need to come back to, of course. So great, great for highlighting that with brand value and, and so forth as well. So um, um, yeah, if since you work with a lot of clients and you have a lot of insights and you have spent a lot of years in the valley, Silicon Valley, as well as now in New Orleans and, and you know, what would you say is, is the most important trend you see in 2021 for marketeers in, in the B2B space? Uh, what do you think would be important to focus on next year for, for the whole marketing community, so to say? Speaking just for myself, you know, with what I'm seeing, I think the most important thing coming into 2021 will be a intense focus on analytics and measurement. Hmm. You know, here in the United States, this happened kind of at the beginning of COVID. We were actually already entering uh, a fiscal recession. We've now I've, I've lost count. I think we've printed digitally like $4 trillion as a country um, in the past eight months. Um, that's a pretty unheard of amount of money to print out of our federal reserve. Yeah. And it's as the pandemic um, begins to be addressed through vaccines. For example, this morning, I know, you know, the United Kingdom just approved uh, the Pfizer vaccine to be yep. distributed here in December of 2020. Um, EU's behind, you know, I read about them. So they're talking about the end of December, having an approval decision. Uh, and the United States is probably following a UK timeline. They haven't announced it yet, but we're moving pretty fast over here. Mm. We, we are in a recession, a fiscal recession. There are some companies who are booming and there are some who are not booming. And when I think about how to protect your marketing investment, and when I say marketing investment, I mean budget, I mean people that work for you, dotted in uh, direct line reports, vendors, tools, you know, systems, in terms of protecting that investment, you're going to have to prove that it's actually doing something. And it could be as, as specific as we spend a dollar on search ads and we get $5 worth of sales every month. It could be more of a correlative factor, like I mentioned with awareness. Hey, we spend a dollar on awareness and we see a 20% uplift in performance within 30 days. If you don't have those those statements really buttoned up. And I actually talked to one of our clients. It's a you know multi-billion dollar year enterprise data company based in the Valley. I talked to her yesterday and she said, that's my number one priority. Like with all of our programs between your agency and, and my team, we have to have this story very clear because being in a recession means that while some companies do well, others are not going to do well. And even the ones who are thriving are still going to look to optimize where they where they allow capital to flow through based on what they're getting out of that um, when they invest that budget. So that's, that's just something that's very top of mind for me right now. I know we started this podcast talking about that's kind of the, that was the genesis of our agency is having a discussion where we couldn't draw those clear correlations for all the market stakeholders. Mm. And now nine years later, it's still just as important. And I think even more important because, you know, globally we've, been in a boom economy. The United States has been like wildly out of control in terms of positive growing economy over the past eight years in particular, six to eight years. Um, we, are in, we are in a recession. We're, 
we are going to go deeper before we come out. And then again, just speaking for the United States, eventually we're gonna to have to figure out as citizens who elect officials to represent us, how the heck do we, how do we make all this right in terms of the money that we printed? So I think it's going to get a little tougher in the next few years. It doesn't mean that people aren't still going to invest quite a bit in digital marketing um, and sales and other activities. I think that people are just going to start putting that microscope tighter from a leadership perspective on what's being invested in. So I would say do everything you can to be able to tell those clear stories of when you invest in us or in this program, here's what you can expect out of it. And I can prove that either from a correlative or a direct cause uh, causation standpoint. Ah, uh, so insightful uh, comment there. And uh, yeah, I, I think you're totally right. It's, it is a, a, a strange time when some companies go better than ever, but most companies uh, uh, are struggling or at least not feeling it's boom time. So, you know, being efficient and being smart is really, really yeah, important for the coming year or, or even years, as you say. So great, great insight you offered there. So thanks for that. I feel we could probably go on forever here, Mike, but I know you're a busy guy running an agency and having a lot of clients and so forth. And uh, compared to me, I'm winding down now. My day is over after this meeting. You're just starting out since you're eight, eight, eight hours behind. So uh, um, I know you have a lot of content written and, and so forth. So listeners who want to check you out, Mike, and, and read more about your content or MKG marketing or so on, where can we send them? Yeah, there's a few places. Uh, you can obviously go to our website. Uh, the short URL is just mkg.marketing. That'll take you right to us. Uh, we also have a podcast uh, of our own that we have had uh, Carrie, my business partner, is the champion of and the host. She's been running that for a few years. I think she's on at season five or six at this point. I forget how many awesome. we've got. Yeah. Um, so I would highly recommend people come check Absolutely. out the podcast. We've got marketing leaders um, from all over the world, just like your podcast, Jacob, from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of personalities, a lot of interesting stories. And not only would I encourage folks to listen to the podcast, but if you listen and you like it, we want you to be on the podcast. So you can actually email me directly and I will get you on the podcast. My email is just mike at mkg.marketing and I will connect you directly to Carrie. Um, because she's always looking for the next great story for her own podcast, just like yours, Jacob. So those are the, the three places, kind of the, the website, the podcast, and then just shoot me an email and uh, I'll get you on the podcast if you're interested in being a guest. Awesome, Mike. Uh, sounds really interesting. Uh, I can also recommend your podcast there since I did some pre-research and listened to a few episodes there. So yeah, thanks for highlighting that. And uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you, Mike. I learned a lot here about ROI driven marketing and uh, how to think about methodologies around that. So I have a few takeaways I definitely will take with me in my own work as a marketeer and, and consultant. So of course, uh, hopefully more and me have learned from your insights and learnings you have uh, talked about. So thank you so much 
for sharing that with us. And thank you for your time, Mike. It was awesome to have you on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I'll try and get this right. Talk. <laughs> that was correct. So absolutely. <laughs> thank you in Swedish. Thanks, Jacob. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.